0: Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And I'm pumped.
1: I'm hyped, Matt. Wait. I think there's a bird out there. Or Um, is it a plane? No! It's a Superman Man of Steel podcast. (laughs) Coming to you from us. (laughs) It's not just crazy
0: farmers seeing things in the sky. Even us at Podcast HQ Mm. are seeing flying beings. Because this week we're going to be reviewing Man of Steel. Yes. In our...
1: Anniversary podcast. Anniversary podcast. That's what I was Oh, yes. <laughs> You're just excited about Man of Steel. But no, this is the two-year celebration of the podcast. We made it. To all those out there who said we wouldn't.
0: <laughs> so we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that. Maybe get some celebrations going in an anniversary version of housekeeping. Oh, exciting. But for now, on this super podcast, we're going to be focusing on Superman. Mm. Now...
1: I went to see this movie on my own, because you couldn't see it on Tuesday, and I wanted the cheap ticket. So, <laughs> a bargain waits for no man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I went to see Radar Steel*, and I was on my own, and it was one of those VMAX giant screen things. Oh. And I walked in there, and I thought, you know what I've never done at the cinemas before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of a few things. <laughs> Sat in the very front row. Thought, <laughs> it's Superman. It's a massive film. I've got a massive screen. It couldn't look any bigger than sitting in the very middle of the front row. You can't even see any seats in front of you or anything. How long did you last? I, I, my prediction is you did not <laughs>
0: remain there for the entirety of the film. I did remain there for what? the
1: entirety of the film. Oh, my. How, how far was there between you and the, the screen? Oh, Five meters or ten, five to 10, maybe ten meters. It's hard to gate, Like it's all dark and everything in there. I went to see a screening of World War Z, and
0: there weren't very many tickets left. You mean World War Z? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the Americans say Z. It's not JZ. Yeah. Well, the sin was in America, and there there was no gap between the front row and the the screen. And I, because there weren't very many tickets left, I had tickets in the third row. Um, and that was so close. I was just craning up at the sky no. the entire movie. Oh no. So the first row would have been unwatchable. Okay.
1: Were the people in the first row in that session? Yeah. Okay. There was a bit there's a bit of a gap here. Okay, my verdict not the best space to sit. Really. <laughs> <laughs> if you look straight ahead, the sort of screen starts like halfway up your eye. Like right? so you got like a wall and then the movie. But they were pretty comfy seats so you could sort of lean back in a bit. So I had a pretty, like, it wasn't too bad. I sort of lied down a bit and it was, like, pretty cool how you couldn't see the edges of the screens. So it didn't have a bit of a, like, it's happening around you sort of feel, but I reckon I probably should have moved a few rows back. I went to see Man of Steel with a friend.
0: Shout out to Daryl. It was a mandate. We'll do it again. Nice. And I walked in with the tickets and the receipt and stuff and I actually thought... Why do they even bother giving you these? And I checked them out. And then we went to go sit down. And I was like, what seats do we have? That's why they <laughs> give you the tickets. Oh, uh, allocated seating. Yeah. Fortunately, it
1: wasn't too busy. And we were able to just sit down where we wanted. Yeah. So Superman, it, it, we saw it, however we saw it. Superman, what are your expectations? Do you like Superman as a superhero? What's your experiences? Was he a favourite as a child?
0: Well, we've done a lot of superhero movies. We've done The Avengers, Iron Man, a Batman. They are all the rage at the moment. Superman, growing up, I don't think I thought Superman was the coolest superhero. He seemed a little bit too good. He just kind of seemed a bit invincible. And then there was Kryptonite. And so it was kind of like he should either just win all the time or there's the Kryptonite. And the bad guys always stuffed up using the Kryptonite yeah. somehow. <laughs> But I guess I did sort of like the symbolism of Superman. Superman Mm -hmm. sort of stood for something. He was quite an iconic superhero. The American way. Yeah. In terms of what I've watched, the films, I didn't see the recent one. And I can't really remember the earlier ones. Like I might have seen them when I was very little. But I couldn't really tell you anything about them. The only thing I remember is the TV series. Lois and Clark? Yeah. <laughs> I used to love that. When I was 10, I thought that was just the best thing. I'd be a bit tentative in going back and rewatching, but my memory is uh, of enjoying it. Mm. So, perhaps not as excited as, as for a Batman. Everyone knows we're big Batman fans. Mm. so I was so hurt by that damn third movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I was kind of interested in the Superman movie. Well, Superman... I'm not a big fan of. Ooh. I don't really like the Superman. Um, I loved Batman as a kid. <laughs> I loved all the villains are all so great. You got Poison Ivy and Harvey Dent and the Riddler and the Joker and you got this this guy who has a cave where he's got all these <laughs> <laughs> where he's got all his like children. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so bad. Just Where t- he's t- his, like all his, all his like gadgets and equipment and things to go out and fight crime in the dark shadows of night. Like, I thought that was really cool. Uh, Superman, and you sort of touched on this a bit, he's too. Like, I like my superheroes to maybe have one superpower <laughs> or maybe two. Batman doesn't have any. And that's why he's the best superhero. <laughs> he's the most ironic and therefore hip superhero <laughs> because he doesn't actually have a superpower. But, you know, Spider-Man's sort of okay because he can climb up walls and shoot out webs, okay? There's sort of like maybe two abilities, but they sort of link a bit. They both fit the sort of spider theme. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I, I don't like... He can do everything. What can he do? He can fly. He's super strong. He's got X-ray vision. He can shoot the heat out of his eyes. Shoot heat out of his eyes. He's bulletproof. He's bulletproof. Like just, he's just all the superpowers, and as you said, only one weakness. So it's sort of like he's not the underdog ever. <laughs> I like the underdog. Like Batman's a bit the underdog. He's the guy who got like sort of a bit teased as a kid and his parents, by bats. Yeah, yeah. His <laughs> parents got murdered and he's gotta like and he's sort of gotta use his own smarts and own ingenuity to sort of create his own superhero. Whereas Superman was sort of born with a sort of, I guess a a super spoon in his mouth uh, <laughs> with all these pre-made superpowers. And yeah, it's just hard to get behind a guy who's got everything. Well, that's Superman. Let's take a look at who made the movie, whether that could mm. entice us to see it. Yeah. Cause like at the end of the day, a good movie is a good movie. Like it's not like the, you can't make a good movie out of Superman. Surely. Well, the script was written by David S. Goya and the
0: story by him and Christopher Nolan. Well, he did a great job
1: with the Dark Knight. This is the writing yeah, team, that they, the writers, fantastic, yeah. But he did a less great job with the Dark Knight Rises. So I'm a bit mixed.
0: You would think with that team and you've got the superhero in place and Nolan with such a good track record that he did as a director mm. that they would have been able to follow the Dark Knight with at least something good. But I mm. that was one of the most disappointing. Cinema experiences for me ever, and mate, is is that just the superhero curse that the 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 the, uh, the final film in the trilogy always sucks? I didn't mind, you know, Spider Man, Spider Man Two. I hated Spider Man Three. Yeah. X Men One, X Men Two, they were right. I hated X Men Three. Mm. Really like ba- Batman Begins. Love the Dark Knight. Hated the Dark Knight
1: Rises. Iron Man, I guess, bucked it a little bit. You didn't yeah, mind Iron, Iron Man 3. was quite good. I'm not sure if that's the last one, though. Mm. Maybe the reason all these other films it was the last one is because it sucks so much. <laughs> like, maybe we like, get an Iron Man 4 because Iron Man 3 didn't suck. <laughs> well, Christopher
0: Nolan isn't directing as well. Man of Steel was directed by Zack Snyder.
1: Mm.
0: He did 300, Watchmen, Sucker Punch... The Owl movie, whatever that one was. I've not seen any of those movies. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, 300 and Watchmen, uh, both based on graphic novels. Sucker Punch possibly was as well. Uh, so he's no stranger to the, the comic book world. Mm. So that's a decent choice for Superman. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: I like 300. I thought Watchmen was all right. And then when I actually read the graphic novel, which I think is one of the greatest works of art of all time, you should think, oh, it, it, the film didn't live up to that. That makes the film even worse. But then when I rewatched the film, I actually understood more and appreciated what an attempt it was in order to try and make such a great thing into a film. So I actually liked that uh, quite a bit. So I was interested to see what Zack Snyder could do with Man of Steel. Okay. Interesting. So the
1: movie itself... Yes, let's get into that. It's an origin story. Yes, now, famously in the original Superman, Marlon Brando played Superman's father, and he had one line and was paid a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> like it was just it, it's infamous how much he's paid. He wouldn't even memorize the line. They held up a cue card for him. He came in, he said it, he was out, and just thank <laughs> you, all the way to the bank. <laughs> in this movie to play Superman's father, they got Russell Crowe. Yeah, early on in this film, it was
0: rather Russell Crowe-centric. I didn't realise he was playing Superman in the film. <laughs> yeah, my understanding of Superman was that he sort of came from outer space, he landed in this thing, but you didn't really get to know that much mm. about Krypton. Yeah. But we spend a fair amount of time there at the start of
1: the oh, film. We find out a lot about Krypton.
0: <laughs> Which I kind of liked, because I thought... You know, with these origin stories, they often kind of, like, tease things out and drag it out. But it was just like, no, nah, here's a whole other world. Let's immerse you in something new and different and exciting. And bam, you hit the ground running. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I thought the world was pretty cool. Some of the design and stuff, you know, there's only so many different ways you can reimagine space or planets. But I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought everything looked very visually engaging. And although perhaps it, some people might have thought it went a bit too long without Superman for a Superman
1: film... I thought this was a pretty good setup. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, so we've got this planet Krypton, and they've been mining stuff there, and it's like going to blow up. Natural resources, yeah. man. It's the Wally <laughs> problem. It's uh, they've they've tapped they've, they're, the the victims of their own. I don't know. Greed. Greed. Yeah. So. Russell Crowe's a bit upset about this. He's trying to get them to change stuff and whatever. But he's been sneakily on the side making a baby. (laughs) Um, Apparently this is not what's happening on Krypton anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get... Was it a miracle that they were able to conceive a baby or was it outlawed to make babies?
0: Yeah, they said it was the first naturally born baby in several centuries And you thought, well, if it had just been outlawed, you know, someone would have done it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would have happened. Maybe the atmosphere or the introduction of this artificial Hmm. whatever started
1: to affect people and maybe it became harder to have
0: Hmm. babies
1: naturally. Okay. Well, Russell Crowe wants to save the baby and there's this Michael Shannon guy who tries to cause a bit of a coup. Yeah, Michael Shannon...
0: Plays Agent Van Alden in Boardwalk Empire. Mm. My favourite show on TV. And in that, he, his character's a little bit more sort of morally ambiguous.
1: And this is the bad guy. You can tell right away, Yeah, we don't like this guy. Well, there's some council that's running the show on Krypton. And Russell Crowe's sort of saying to them, Hey guys, boy, the world's going to blow up because of your decisions. Like, oh, well, let's think about it, like, let's talk about some more, like, have a cup of coffee or whatever, and then in comes Michael Shannon and goes, you guys stuffed up, and then just starts shooting people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he's like, come on, Russ, let's take over. Which is entertaining, at least he's an entertaining bad guy. Yeah, and do, do you think, like, they're sort of on the same page with Russell Crowe, like, they're both against this council, <laughs> like, uh... But Russell Crowe doesn't believe in violence or something, so or he's got the baby, I guess. That's what he's putting all his eggs in that basket. So he runs away and jumps into some giant pool thing where they're making babies and grabs a rock. Is that like pretty much what happens?
0: That's pretty much it. He grabs something of importance called the Codex, and then he goes and basically puts his baby in a space stalk and says. Yes. All right, space space dog, take yeah. this to Earth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the people seem intelligent.
0: <laughs> so poor little baby Cal, is that his real name? Cal L? Yeah. Gets sent off to another planet.
1: Our planet.
0: <laughs> and this was something that was sort of interesting. You expected when this rocket goes through space or whatever mm. that you know, it's going to land, we're going to see who picks you up. But no, they kind of mess around with the time a bit. Oh, yeah. We get to Earth, and it's, you know, Henry Cavill. He's like 30, Mm. and he's on a boat and he's saving people from some oil rig or something. And then it cuts back to him as a teenager. And, you know, then he talks to his dad, who's Kevin Costner, about how he arrived here. And Mm. there's a lot of time jumping
1: on the timeline of Clark Kent, Mm. his Earth name. Yes. So what did you think about sort of his adolescence, childhood sort of stuff? Do you like this? Did you think Kevin Costner did a good job as a dad to little Superman? Yeah, with most superheroes or people with superhero abilities,
0: they don't want to be discovered because the line is people will be afraid of things they don't understand. Hmm. And, you know, if you have these powers, make people question science and religion and people might want to murder you or scientists want to cut open your brain and see how you can do things and that but he keeps on getting put in these positions where he can use these powers to save people hmm. uh, and he kind of keeps on getting in trouble for it
1: hmm.
0: and i thought there was that interesting line he says what was i supposed to do let them die hmm. and his dad says maybe
1: yeah
0: and i'm like Well, I'm- He's dealing with some heavy stuff. Yeah. As like a 12-year-old or something. If his dad's saying, yeah, this is so serious, maybe you should have let your school friends die. Yeah. I didn't agree with the dad. I thought the dad was doing a good job. He was trying to do the best for his son. You know, the the world's not ready yet, that's sort of part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're being literal here, like, you don't let the
1: kids die, do you? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Just, if I was the dad, I'd say... No, but just be a bit more subtle about it. I mean look at
0: all the great things that those kids could grow up to do, like work at iHop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that at these fears? What what do you actually legitimately think would happen if we did have a Superman be discovered in this world? Some kid, some eighteen year old kid could has, could fly and do all these super what would what would we as a society actually do?
0: We wouldn't be able to do much. He's Superman,
1: he's too good. Would we want to do experiments on them or anything? I think so. So these are probably well-founded fears. Yeah. (laughs) Let them fly around. It's too much power. It's too much power. I guess. Oh, man. So there's a bit of, like, some ice station-y thing where some shenanigans go down... Um, Amy Adams pops in. She's some reporter. She's sussing out the situation. Superman, Superman is snooping around, looking for stuff. Anyway, he saves Amy Adams. Yada yada yada. Cut to a few scenes later, the evil guy Zod. Yeah, Michael Shannon returns. He didn't really like Russell Crowe too much earlier in the movie, but he seems to have the uh, the Russell Crowe from Gladiator haircut hairdo, (laughs) when he returns. He sees that maybe he's watched Gladiator (laughs) since since being exiled. He returns, and he pretty much puts a proposition to Earth. His proposition is, you give us the Superman... Not his words, because no one's calling him Superman at this point, but you give us the Superman, and I won't destroy the Earth. Yeah, this is an interesting situation
0: for... I guess both the people of Earth, because they're like, man, there's this dude that's like super powerful. Can we trust him? And then now there's this other super powerful guy that's like, give me this one, which we don't really have the p- ability to control in the first place to give him to you. Or well, this guy is going to like squash yes. us. That, that ultimatum is generally not the offer of a good guy. Yeah, I think they should have been realized that this guy is the bad guy. They want to give up Superman because they just don't want to have anything to do with these people. These yeah. aliens, man. They're just too much. This is all a little bit yeah, over our heads.
1: Yeah. You're the President of the United States. You're making the call. What do you do? I'm Zod. Give us the give us the man that's been hiding. The strong alien man. And I will spare your planet. What do you really say to me? i probably ring Superman. And I'd say, look, I know we have no
0: ability to actually do that like regardless of how many times people shoot at you and it doesn't work people are still going to try and shoot at you and it not work yeah but i realize that i have no no power over you so i'm gonna ask you nicely please can you hand yourself over
1: yeah i don't want to have anything to do with this zod guy he doesn't sound like any fun at all yeah i think i'd be taller to superman like get him on the side a bit. go hey superman why don't we come up with a plan to get this old <laughs> guy? Let's let's concoct a scheme. Come into the situation room. We'll talk <laughs> through some strategies. Maybe, like, he could have, like, uh, he can fly. And, he, like, he can fly, like, in outer space as well and stuff. So I, I think I'd be going to see, Manny, is there some way we can, like, hide some dynamite in your suit? <laughs> 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 uh-huh. Explosives. Like, it didn't seem like this Emperor Zod guy had a, like, uh, a X-ray machine as people were coming on his, like, before people entered the ship. I don't think he was checking people's, like, carry-on luggage or anything. Could we, like, just... So rather than using Superman's
0: super intellect or superpowers, you decide to say to Superman, okay, I've got a plan. I was watching this episode of Roadrunner. <laughs> I think we could sneak some explosives into his spaceship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, problem is like Superman is at the same time like, only like a really strong man, and like Zod might be too. So, you sort of just have these like really long battle like fight thing. If you just get all these explosives on there and just blow up his spaceship, I think he's sort of like a bit screwed then. So, that's the main story of the film mm-hmm. him adapting
0: to Earth, battling with someone else from Krypton. So, we thought now we'd take a look at some of the people in the film again. Okay. Who- who are playing these characters. Henry Cavill, he is Superman. He's the Man of Steel. Mm. I hadn't seen him in anything before. No. I mean, apparently he was in The Count of Monte Cristo. I've seen that, but I don't remember who he was. Is the key to getting a role as big as Superman, not actually having acted in anything, but nearly having gotten
1: lots of other big roles? Well, yes, because uh, this, this Henry Cavill character has had uh, quite the run in Hollywood. Um, He uh, was meant to play Superman in Superman Returns or whatever it is. They were calling it something else at that point. They were calling it um, Superman Flyby. Uh, No wonder uh, that studio lost the film and it got changed to another studio, at which point they passed over him for um, Brandon Routh or whatever. Haven't heard of Brandon Ralph much since <laughs> that, so could have been a good move. Then there was a writing campaign to get him the role of Cedric Diggory in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, but they chose Robert Pattinson instead. Did um, You didn't even know Robert Pattinson was in Harry Potter. No. No, Cedric Diggory, a big character in that movie. Uh, there's a tri-wizard tournament, which Harry and Cedric Diggory compete in together together yeah i feel like that's a spoiler in the sense that in somewhere
0: in the series he must die or just disappear because i've seen the last harry Potter (laughs) film
1: and i don't remember him well although this is a school competition the goblet of fire like competition not everyone survives the goblet (laughs) of fire final (laughs) challenge I wish we'd done a podcast on that movie because I have some serious concerns with the school running that program. <laughs> but anyway, so about over. Uh, but don't don't worry. He, he kept his chin up, and some uh, luck broke his way in the sense of Stephanie Meyer, the author of the Twilight series, was outspokenly in favour of Cavill, uh, Cavill playing the character of Edward Cullen in Twilight. She said he was the perfect Edward.
0: Oh well, that's that's nice that he got he got that, because Twilight's pretty big, he probably
1: made some money. But as we would all remember, that also went to Robert Patterson from... <laughs> from, from you know, know what, they hang out? I, I, I think, obviously, Robert Patterson, I think, sort of rocks up, sort of, nearby where uh this Cavill guy's auditioning. <laughs> <laughs> he's sort of just following this guy around, and when he leaves an audition, he just, like, hangs out about outside, waits for the casting agents to come out, and he's like, yeah... There's some role going in here, some... I don't know who he's fooling. I don't know if
0: Cavill has changed his appearance. They don't look anything like each other. Like, Rob Patterson is, you know, pretty slim. He's a kind of skinny guy.
1: Mm.
0: Maybe bumped up for Man of Steel, but Cavill is huge. Yeah. He is three times the size. Like, how are they just interchangeable? Oh, we so nearly picked you for this. You're perfect, but this guy just got... We decided, instead of giving it to you, Henry
1: Cavill, we gave it to your left arm with a face on it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, the bad luck continued for uh, Cavill. Well, I'm glad it ended there. No, it did not end there. (laughs) The bad luck continued. Uh, He was the final contender, one of the two final contenders to play James Bond in Casino Royale, become the next Bond. And um, unfortunately, they decided to go with Daniel Craig. Over him, just because I thought, oh, we want a bit of an older Bond.
0: Yeah, I see he was referred to as the unluckiest man in Hollywood Mm -hmm. by Empire Magazine. Is he actually the luckiest man in Hollywood? Like, without actually getting any of these roles, he's still, like, in the running for Harry Potter, Twilight, James
1: Bond, Superman. That's a good point. Is this, like, he was given all these opportunities. Like, I have not had auditions for any of these roles. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I would have been good at some of them. Like, not, I don't think I could have done Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I'd have made an okay Bond or, like, uh, Cedric, Cedric Diggory for sure. <laughs> so he finally got a movie. He's
0: playing Superman, it's a big one. What did you think of Henry Cavill in Superman? Was it worth the wait?
1: I thought he was good. I, I'm glad it was him and not Robert Patterson. <laughs> Definitely a better Superman. I think Robert a better Pattinson. anyone than Robert Patterson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I quite liked Cavill as Superman. I think he had the look. I think he had sort of the, not quite charisma, but just sort of the sort of state of mind of, of Superman, sort of like, like I was believing that he was in these sort of moments. I think he was quite good at acting without any dialogue. I think his dialogue was not quite as good, and maybe that was the writing.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm a bit of a sucker for that sort of cinematography—do someone like slowly walking through the field, or yeah. him just sort of with his eyes closed in the the snow in the background. I really love those those bits, perhaps more than
1: the character exchanges. Hmm. Well, also in the movie we have Lois Lane. Uh, she's a reporter, and she's investigating this stuff, and. Like most of the characters in The Dark Knight Rises, she pretty much figures out, like, everything to do with the superhero, <laughs> like, about one scene in. <laughs> She's, like, got an article detailing everything about Superman about 40 minutes into the film.
0: Which, in a way, I thought was a good thing, because it sort of avoided that normal expectation of... Oh, you know, you're finding this and she knows it, but she's got to find a way to prove it. Now she's like, Oh, yeah, I know who you are. And he's like, Yeah, you know who I am. And then they're able to work from there. It was kind of like the setup. They go, Well, here's just what you want to know, and then let's go from there instead of just teasing
1: out stuff that isn't actually that interesting. Mm. I guess, sort of, as a superhero, you do need someone you can trust as a superhero. Like, you know, Batman's got his Alfred um, Butler guy that helps him out. And Superman didn't really have anyone until Lois came along at least for that part of the film he, he had his dad as a kid but like I guess he needed that sort of partnering crime almost
0: and something else I liked about their relationship was that it wasn't overtly romantic I mean it is romantic but it was more kind of there was this respect for the mm. other person mm. because you know he hadn't had the best dealing with humans and a lot of the humans sort of feared the aliens and weren't really ready for a Superman, but she was, Mm. and she sort of had that respect for him and he appreciated her. Mm. And a lot of what they did was basically working to help or progress things that were related to the story Mm. rather than just getting sidetracked
1: with romantic stuff. Mm. And she got really she got her hands a bit dirty too, which is always good for females in these superhero movies.
0: And I know Amy Adams is one of your favorites, Matt, did she (laughs) did she live up to your I'm sure
1: enormous expectations. Um, this was not one of Amy Adams' best performances, <laughs> but I don't think she did anything wrong in there. Like I don't think it was <laughs> like a bad performance. I thought she sort of got the job done, do what she needed to do, but not another supporting actor the nomination I at so the I would not be nominating her for this role. I would not nominate her for uh for this role. Uh then we've got Russell Crowe and Michael Shannon. What do we think of these guys? At first, I thought Russell Crowe was a little bit showy.
0: Like, he was doing sort of a theatrical, sort of Shakespearean kind Mm. of voice and personality that wasn't really my expectation going into Superman. Mm. But then when I sort of saw how grand Krypton was compared to Earth and the technology and the costumes they had, it made sense for it to be a little bit grander, Mm. his demeanor in a way. So... I actually liked him more and more as as the film went on.
1: Okay, well, here's the issue I had with Russell Crowe. We just get so mu- like <laughs> so much of him just explaining things. He just comes on and then like spends the next five minutes explaining stuff, <laughs> like just tashing it out. I think Michael Shannon did that a couple of times too when he comes back. I'm back, baby. Here's my big explanation about everything. Like, <laughs> He's a very
0: divisive person, Russell Crowe, with Lane Miz. You know, people say he ruined the film, and he was my favourite part. I thought he was film. good in Lane Miz. Yeah, I think people are way too harsh about Russell Crowe in Lame Miz. Uh, I had someone say to me they weren't going to watch Man of Steel because it's got Russell Crowe in it. And I was like, he's not even Superman. It's not a Russell Crowe movie. He's just in it. Like,
1: not watching Russell Crowe. Well, there's. He was in a lot more than I was expecting, so maybe if your friend is that strongly against him, it was the right call. It wasn't the Marlon Brando one line. With Michael Shannon, I thought he did a good job, but it was, like, I don't know, when I see these movies, I want an iconic villain. Like, I want a Heath Ledger Joker, or a Jack Nicholson Joker, or a... (laughs) Or an
0: Aaron Eckhart. When I see that new action movie with Mark Wahlberg and Dwayne Johnson,
1: they better have
0: a Joker villain,
1: or else I am not watching. Or, or like an Aaron Eckhart, Two Face, or a, like you know, like you want to see with your superhero movies an iconic villain, uh, like, uh, and he was an iconic. I sort of agree with that.
0: I don't think it's a particularly memorable character, but I think the character that they wrote was someone that basically was just a warrior for the preservation of Krypton. Mm -hmm. And he sort of very believed in this strict structure. And he said, this is what X people have been designated to do. And that's what you're going to do at all costs. And he didn't really have that room for kind of crazy moral ambiguity or Mm. he he didn't have this flair or or personality because he's kind of like a soldier it was very straightforward. So I think within the character they set up for him, he did a good job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take away from Michael Shannon. We also had Richard Schiff in the movie. Uh, very excited to see him. Just a smooth transition into one of the other major <laughs> characters in the film. <laughs> he plays Toby in the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, was uh, one of the government's sort of, I guess, science military scientists or something like that. He basically played Toby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I liked him so much. Isn't it? <laughs> Do you like him in it? I thought he was pretty good. He yeah, had some funny bits. He's got great uh, reaction shots to things, doesn't he? Yeah. Like with the glasses, like the scruffy hair. Like, he just constantly looks like he's just woken up and is surprised at aliens being there or whatever. <laughs> I thought um, we could play a little game with Man of Steel. Oh. I'm going to read you three quotes from the movie, and you have to say which one is the worst. Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is a, a
0: little peek through the looking glass. Uh, <laughs> a foreshadow, if you will, of your, of your verdicts. But yes, I'm willing to play okay, any cool.
1: sort of game. They say it all goes downhill after your first kiss. Yeah. Okay. I feel like the answer to that (laughs) question could also be in one of your three quotes. (laughs) I thought he was kind of hot. Third you don't get more American than me. (laughs) So Jonathan, which of those lines is the worst line? (laughs) I'm gonna go with the second one just
0: because there was just no need for that character, and if you're going to have some comic relief, at a point, you know, it is relatively serious tone. If you're going to break it up with something, break it up with something better than that. Like they could, surely they could have thought of something funnier uh, if you if they really wanted a
1: joke at that point in the film. You might say that. But that killed in my cinema. What? <laughs> yes. Really? Uh, like It wasn't like uh, people on the floor. Uh, like, it was like the biggest laugh I've heard in cinema. But that got the biggest response out <laughs> of the cinema. Like a lot of laughs. Wow. Yeah. Maybe there were just a lot of girls
0: in Was there a lot of girls that just thought he really was, was hot, maybe? It, it was a lot of girls laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of
1: girls laughing. Um, it's funny because it's true. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Correct. Yes, we'll give you it. <laughs> And now for one of our regular games, one of our regular segments, where we share something we've learnt from the movie we've watched. This week, what has the Man of Steel taught us? Well, Matt, Man of Steel taught me that if
0: you ever get in a fight with an alien from Krypton, you want to hit them with the back end of a gun. And I'll tell you why. There are some pretty huge fight scenes in this movie. Hmm. They're pretty epic. There's people crashing through buildings through mountains they're going into space coming back down slamming through the pavement not a scratch Mm. but when russell crowe jabs general Zod in the face with the back of one of their guns cuts him up real good Mm. scars him for life he's got the scar at the end of the movie
1: yeah Mm.
0: that was better than any shot superman landed yeah maybe americans should carry guns that should be an argument in the in the battle for guns in the states if we ever get invaded by aliens from Krypton, we need to be able to pistol whip them real quick. Um,
1: while we're on this uh, this big battle sort of type stuff, uh, let's do another game. Um, <laughs> a game within a game. Yeah. It's Gameception. <laughs> um, over under 10,000 and a half people who died in this movie. <laughs> over. Yeah.
0: I feel like there would have been a lot of
1: casualties to some of the destruction going on. The final battle scene pretty much takes out like three blocks, like if not a whole city. I like, was thinking, you know, Hancock tries to do some things to stop some criminals,
0: and people bitch about, you know, a couple million dollars worth of damage. If it was the same people,
1: they are going to be very upset with Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Over ten thousand, for sure, <laughs> people died. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Superman, when the Man of Steel was taught me, this is actually something practical, something that I can use, that I can destroy things or, or cause trouble for people as long as I can then somewhat fix it. Because I feel like a lot of these problems that are, are in Earth are largely due to Superman's presence. <laughs> like, it's not like Superman's come in and saved everyone from tyranny. He's sort of brought the trouble with him, hasn't yeah. he? And then everyone's so, like, pleased with him for saving him from the very thing that he brought to there. So this has it's taught like me. I punch you in the face and I go, don't worry, I know first aid." Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I'm thinking, like, I can maybe become the most popular guy in a party if I, like, rock up, like, a bit early, trash the party. Then come and, like, clean it up. Just knock over all the punch bowls. Yeah, yeah.
0: But then you've got your own boots.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yes! (laughs) Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. I brought some stuff. There was like, hey, hero! (laughs) Hero
0: moves. He's the super man of the party. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So there we go. Time
0: for a verdict. Man of Steel. In quite a few ways, this is not really what I expected from the film. And that was a good thing. I thought the explanation of where Superman came from was good. I thought the investment into the history and the relationships was good. It didn't really get too bogged down with unnecessary things. I think it looked great. I think there were a lot of really beautiful shots. And I thought the action was really good as well. I'm not really into, you know, the fight scenes. I find them a bit repetitive. Maybe they go on a bit too long. And these were kind of long fight scenes. But they were epic fight scenes. Like, as far as two people trying to punch each other in the face can go, these are the biggest fight scenes I've ever seen in mm-hmm. a movie. I think the only things that really let the film down were some dialogue. And I think there was some good dialogue relating to some of the themes of the film. And I liked how Superman was supposed to represent these certain moral values. And some of his discussions with his dad were good, and discussions with Generals of the Bad Guy were good. But just the sort of. Scene to scene dialogue was a bit average. Some of the jokes landed... uh, Some of the jokes were pretty average, and that was sort of my main letdown of the film. And as you said, there was a a bit too much exposition, perhaps, as well. But mostly I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10.
1: Well, okay. That's a score. Um, Superman. Here comes a (laughs) 5. Uh, After two years, Jonathan thinks he knows me. (laughs) Okay. So, Man of Steel, very long. Very long (laughs) movie. A bit too long, if you ask me. (laughs) Um, I was sick of, like, all these long explanations about stuff I didn't really care that much about. You know, Russell Crowe, yep. Good actor, I like him, but did not like him just explaining heaps of stuff, stalling the like progressions. Amy Adams, she was she was good here. Yeah, everyone was sort of good here. Like, yeah, it was like it was okay, but just way too long and a lot of exposition. I didn't really care what happened, and I didn't think it was a good story. I didn't really buy it. Like, I didn't like the story. I didn't tell a good story. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a five and a half out of ten. <laughs> So now, our anniversary housekeeping. Wow. The podcast has been running for two years. That's kind of crazy to me. That is pretty amazing. Did you think when we started two years ago, like, that we'd be going two years later still with this? I thought there was a chance. I, I, I know I've made fun of the doubters, but I didn't know how long it would last. Like, I don't We're giving this a go. We've never done anything like this before. Like, it could just not work and, like, you know.
0: We both did the same media degree and we hung out and talked a lot and about random sort of stuff and maybe we thought, oh, we could do something together. And it was, I think, mean, you actually came up with the idea of doing a podcast I said, yeah, that could be fun. If you don't make noises as well, I'm trying to talk on oh, the podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You always say it's quite nice. And going into it, I didn't really have any expectations for it sort of being a long-term thing. I actually just thought, we'll, we'll do this one and we'll yeah. see if it's yeah any fun and To be honest, we kind of just
1: record conversations that we'd be having similarly otherwise. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. We were meeting up like usually once a week at uni and we talked about movies, TV shows, music, like just pop culture and things like that. And I thought, why don't we just record these? We enjoy it so much. Surely (laughs) (laughs) everyone else will. Everyone else needs to benefit (laughs) from the value of our conversations. And so to think that we still do this
0: two years later, and we've been pretty consistent. I think in two years we've done, this might be around podcast 97 or 98, so cool. we've done one almost every single week, hmm. and it's something I look forward to every single week. Yeah. Is, uh... Day tissue? <laughs> it's something I'm very glad about, and I'd just like to uh, uh, say thanks to everyone who listens to the podcast, and thanks
1: to Matt for doing the podcast with me. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, thanks, to everyone for listening, too. And thanks, heaps, Jonathan, also, for doing it with me, because you need two people to do this, um, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but- Sometimes I have considered dropping you from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you, you, like, sort of like, it is sort of like, it's a bit, you know, it is, uh, you just... Before this, I was making a lot of like YouTube videos on my own, and I have a lot more fun just doing one with someone else. Like, Not just <laughs> me recording a video on my own. Yeah, but it's
0: been it's been great. Now, what we did for our first year anniversary podcast, we got each other presents. Now, Matt said last week he already had my present, and I've got my present for Matt this week. <laughs> now, turn it to One of the greats we know. We know people like to borrow things from Return of Jafar. Yep. People say, we are the Return of Jafar podcast. Mm-hmm. So I've decided to borrow something from the podcast by basically ripping off your gift idea from last year. Oh. <laughs> now I've decided to... So keep... what, what did I get? Remind listeners, they may have not heard last year's one. What did I get you last year? Well, last year Matt got me an abundance of friends. Uh, there was a Toy Story picture book. Oh. A little was card you, soy. And a framed photo of Ryan Gosling from Drive, yeah, which okay. is my favourite I remember film that, movie. yeah, I
1: forgot about that. Was...
0: So I've decided to combine this with, because we like film and TV, talk about the film Return of Jafar, mm. the greatest TV show of all time, Yeah, The Brady Bunch. <laughs> what? Matt will be able to describe it when I give him his present. Oh, it's the Screen
1: Verdict Bunch, a framed <laughs> photo. Um, it's, it's in the middle of the screen verdict, much. Okay, here's who's made the cut. There's uh one, two, three, four. Uh, uh, how can I not count? There's eight people. Okay, so uh, let, let's let, I'll run you through the names. We've got me and Jonathan, obviously, in the... Uh, I, I think I'm in the Mr. Brady position. You're in the Mrs. Brady <laughs> position. I hope so. Uh, then we've got... On one side, we've got some women. We've got Amy Adams are my favourite, Liz Lemon or Tina Fey, I think your (laughs) favourite, and then Jennifer Lawrence, both of our (laughs) favourites. Okay, I like that. Then we've got, um, on the male side of things, Martin Sheen, my favourite, Ryan Gosling, your favourite, and George Queenie, I think you're not one of my favourites, so (laughs) you're giving me a a bump there. I guess we don't have a guy that we both love. (laughs) 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 So, uh, oh, that's really sweet. I love it.
0: Oh, it's great. I'm glad you like that. I'm sorry I didn't have my present last week. Mm -hmm. We thought we'd do it for our anniversary podcast. What have you got for me? Well, happy anniversary. (laughs) Well, Matt, oh, it never fails to exceed expectations or at least just... Do something unexpected. It is a Kodak Gold roll of film. Because we talk about film. And a Collins Gem uh, pocket-sized thesaurus in A to Z form. Mm. It's actually a new edition for the 21st
1: century <laughs> <laughs> It'll help, you the I'm sure it it'll help you with the podcast. I'm sure it's gonna be very new in the the year two thousand. It'll help you it'll help you with the podcast. It also has a name tag on it that reads Tessa Noble. Okay, okay, you get it back. I've been caught out. (laughs) I I forgot, I I was joshing with you last week, I didn't actually have a gift. I knew you didn't have one, so I wanted you to feel bad for not having a gift. And um, And well, how does it feel? (laughs) Pretty bad. And then I forgot to get one this week. Oh, no. Yeah. So, my bad. I'm not going to try and put this on anyone else. Although others, uh, people might want to blame other people, I'm going to say it was all my fault. Well <laughs> I am very sorry, Jonathan. And
0: we'll, uh... well, that's okay, Matt. Uh, you know, two-year anniversary only comes up. <laughs> it'll only be another two years. Well, yeah. we they have to wait two years for it. A... I think a two-year anniversary
1: only ever comes up once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I believe in two more years it'll be the four-year anniversary. <laughs> It'll be the two-year anniversary of you not getting me a present. <laughs> but don't worry, because there is a present for you next week on the podcast. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, might set a
0: reminder of my phone <laughs> or something. The Screen Verdict listeners will have to tune in next week to see what Matt's mystery gift is.
1: Woo-hoo. And now I've got a bar to like. It's a pretty high bar. It's pretty personal and thoughtful. So. So we have some other stuff sort of sitting for housekeeping. I'm not sure we've got time to uh, get to it today. And I think it's probably best to focus on the anniversary stuff today. But uh, we've got my gift for Jonathan in the wings. We have, um, I, I do some interviews with Gold Derby, and some people said some mean things about me on some of the comments oh, on no. some of the videos. <laughs> so we're going to have me read mean, mean things about me maybe, I don't know, might have another little story and things for people. I was, I, I, did say I would scare some kids on our church youth camp <laughs> uh, in the motz's University thing. I perhaps got a bit of a wedding story for people and things like that. So Ooh. we'll try to uh, spread these out maybe over the <laughs> next couple of podcasts. Well, as Larry Davis taught us in Curb, your
0: anniversary needs to be focused on that. For the whole day. A whole housekeeping segment needs to be on the anniversary. Mm-hmm. You can't just go play a quick nine holes in the morning. You, know, yeah. right? you can't tell some other stories Yes. outside of the anniversary and housekeeping. Yes. So they'll be coming up in the
1: next couple of podcasts. And what else will be coming up in our next couple of podcasts? I think possibly The Lone Ranger? Yes. People are loving this film. It's setting the world on fire. <laughs> Maybe not.
0: You'd hope so for $250 million that it cost Disney. Yep. And perhaps a sneaky Ryan Gosling appearance. We'll check the release date of the new film by Nicholas
1: Winding Refn. Mm. Only God can tell. No, only God forgives. Mm. God forgives only? I don't know what it's called. (laughs) Matt will learn the title by that podcast. (laughs) By the end of that podcast, I will (laughs) learn the title of
0: the movie. So plenty of things in the pipeline. It's going to be a big third year for the
1: podcast. Uh, biggest year yet. Up, up and away! Superman.